Insights and wisdom lie within every business decision. Welcome to the Leaders by Ivy podcast, where we discover hidden narratives and unlock key learnings for our own leadership and career journeys. Welcome back to the Leaders by Ivy podcast. I'm Matt Quinn. Today, we welcome Corinne Peters, MSC 19 and data analyst for the Tampa Bay Rays. She joins us as the World Series just wraps up and gives us a glimpse behind the scenes to an often overlooked part of the business. Enjoy. Corinne, thanks very much for joining us today. I know it's been a busy time for you and we really appreciate the time. Let's start by what is your connection and relation to Ivy and who are you? What do you do? Uh, what does your day-to-day look like? For sure, yeah. So I'm Corinne Peters. I'm a data analyst for the Tampa Bay Rays and I was a MSC 2019. So that was the, I think, third year of the MSC program or at least of the BA stream, which is the analytics stream. So we were one of the first cohorts of that group. And then since I've been out for now two years, um, I've been back a few times to do, um, I did the opening day for the MSC program this year. I did their keynote speech and a few things like that. So I try to really stay connected, but being only two years out, I feel like every day I'm still like, oh, this at Ivy or that at Ivy. And a lot of the time, um, I'm still really close friends with a lot of people that I went to Ivy with. So all of the time, it's kind of back and forth with those people. So I feel like Ivy's still part of my everyday life, even though I've now graduated. Um, The next part was, what do I do on my day-to-day? So my day-to-day now is obviously a lot different than it was even a year ago. So when I first started at the Rays, a lot of my day-to-day was, what are we doing with the fans? What are, how are we using their information when they come to the ballpark? How are we making this a personalized experience for them? So anything to do with bringing in information about our fans, learning about them, doing analysis on them, trying to make it a personalized experience for them. And then now obviously things have shifted over the last six months because we don't have fans in the stands. So where my main objective used to be, how is our fan experience at the ballpark? What are we doing for these fans? How are we getting them to buy tickets? Now it's a lot about a mind shift of how do we engage these fans? What are we doing for these fans? How are we being proactive if there's a point in the near future that we're going to be able to have fans back in our stands? So that's kind of really what I focus on now. Um, And that's just been a big shift for me over the past I don't know, what are we going on, eight months now? So that's that's really where I am in terms of what I do day to day. And and thanks for that distinction, because for those that uh, are baseball fans or even movie fans, book fans, they might immediately go to Moneyball. And I, I really like that you distinguish that your role is on a different side of the house, and it's dealing with with fans, with ticketing, with the the business side of the analytics. So let's dive in a little bit. So say I, I am a fan. I am a baseball fan. I won't divulge the team, though, because <laughs> it's a, not a great team this year. Um, tell me a little about I'm a fan of the Rays. How do you engage with me? What are some of the differences that you've uh, you put into place with, with everything happened to COVID? Walk me through that a little bit. For sure. Yeah. That I love that you brought up the two different sides of baseball because it's the same in any sport, right? So before I started at, at uh, the Rays, I worked at Stathletes, which was a hockey analytics company or is a hockey analytics company. Sorry. So I work on the, I worked on the player side. So what are our pre and post game reports look like? What are some of the models that we're bringing to the on ice performance. And then when I moved to the Rays, now I really focus on what is our fan doing? How is this impacting our bottom line? So that's really the big shift that that happened for me. And it's very business focused now. So it's anything from ticketing, corporate, sponsorship, um, anything to do with our app, anything to do with making it a mobile experience or anything along those lines that just doesn't involve the actual on-field play. 
So, um, but yeah, there's been a big shift over the last eight months into thinking about what does that acquisition of a new fan look like now that they're not in the stands? So before a lot of our acquisition model or our acquisitions of fans would come from buying tickets with us being on the secondary market. Obviously we still had connection through different things like mobile app and, and social media and MLB TV. But now our, our shift has really changed from what do those fans look like who are coming into the States? How do we make sure that, so we're a team that's been cash free and mobile free for a little, or mobile only, sorry, cash free and mobile only for a little while now. So we've really focused on how are we gaining that new information on our fans, using our app to get into the ballpark, using our app to buy concessions or merchandise or whatever they're using. And now it's become even more of that shift. So are we getting our fans through MLB TV? Are we getting our fans through different surveys or different posts that we're putting on? Are they following Blake Snell on Twitch? Um, so that's really what our shift has been. It's gone from how are we focusing on those fans that are coming into our ballpark and now how are we engaging new fans so that a fan that's in Toronto that maybe would make it to one game a year in Tampa when they were playing the, the Jays, how do we make sure that they're watching all of our games and they're cheering us on in the World Series? So that's really the shift that's happened over the last little while. And I think it's going to be a good shift for the entire industry going forward, right? So we were an industry that was very focused on how do we get fans in the stands? How are we making sure that all of, a lot of our revenue comes from parking, concessions, retail, tickets? And now it's, okay, how does a lot of our revenue come from? Maybe it's coming from MLB TV. Maybe it's not about revenue. Maybe it's about making sure that our players have a really big platform to speak on. So those are kind of the different shifts that we're seeing. And I think it's going to be really good for the industry. I think at the end of the day, if we ever end up in a situation where we have fans back in the stands, those new fans are going to come into our ballpark with a completely different appreciation and a different devotion to our team. So that's really what we're hoping for. And I love you've used the word engagement. Uh, and it's a different way of engaging with the fan. What cool new ways have you guys implemented or how have you used data to drive the engagement? Any surprises there? For sure. Yeah. I think for me personally, the fan cutouts were a big surprise. I, when we first went with the fan cutouts, I was like, no one's going to buy these. Like, this seems like a crazy idea. Um, but it really, it really did surprise me how many fans were engaged and wanted their fan cutout and would call in and say, I want to know where our fan cutout is. And, and that was a big part of my job was figuring out a way to make sure that we knew exactly where all the fan cutouts were um, so that when fans did call in, we knew where they were. So it's just been, that's been a big shift for me that, that people would want a, a fan cutout to watch a game that they couldn't attend. And it, it blows my mind that people are so engaged that way, but people really do love sport and they want to feel some way to be in the ballpark, even when they can't be. And for those that aren't uh, watching the games, describe what a fan cutout is. Cause this is a really cool idea, a simple idea, but really impactful. Yeah, for sure. So fan cutouts are basically you submit a picture. So we set up an online portal, you paid whatever the AP price was for the cutout um, and you submitted a picture and we went and got them printed. And then we put them in the fan in seats around the ballpark that were for the most part viewable by the camera angle and your fan cutout sat in the stadium while you sat at home and watched the game. So yeah, it was really fun. I mean, I had my dog in there. So like lots of people were doing fun things like that. 
um, and putting different celebrities got in on it. So it was awesome. That's it's 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 really cool to see because you see it's a you know a fan that feels so engaged with the team, and they're you know a great way for them to see themselves on camera. And and you mentioned that there's one thing that you mentioned I want to dive into a little bit that you think in the long run this is actually going to be a real positive. That's a theme that we've seen across some other conversations that we've had that in the midst of some incredibly challenging times that there are some shining lights and great examples where it's going to be positive. Talk a little bit more about that. You've mentioned engagement. How else do you think that this uh, you know, change in the business is going to be good in the long run? Yeah, I think it's giving us an opportunity to take a step back and look more at who our fans are and what they really value. So I think for, for the most part in sport, especially it's, it's busy, right? So you have your season and usually it's a lot of months of preparation for it. And then a lot of months of fans being in the stands and it it just keeps rolling and rolling and rolling. And you never really get this opportunity to take a step back and say, Oh, Hey, maybe we should reevaluate what we're doing with these fans or maybe we're communicating with them in the wrong way. Maybe we're not engaging with them on the right platforms. Maybe we're only focused on this specific group of fans that that comes to our games. And maybe there's a whole other area of fans that we we sometimes forget about because we're so focused on getting them into the ballpark, making sure they have a good experience, making sure they want to come back. So I think it's a really good opportunity for us to take a back step back and say, how are we engaging with them? Are we connecting with them on the right network? Do we even know who they are? Do we know how much disposable income they're going to have when this whole thing is over? Do we know those things about our fans that we can really take forward and say, hey, maybe we can engage with this fan when they're 19, 20, and this is a really hard time for them. But maybe 10 years from now, we're going to see them with kids at our game. So really, how are we making sure that they go from being either a casual fan or a fan that watches to someone who's going to be a lifelong fan for us 5, 10, 15 years down the road? So we've talked about the evolution of the business that you're in. I want to shift slightly and talk about the evolution of analytics and your role in analytics since you've graduated. One of the reasons I chose the Rays was because they were such a small team. They were just getting started when I when I came on board. They had hired uh, a VP who's my boss, and we were just like a small little team that was going to get to have a big impact on a lot of different elements in the business really quickly. And that was pretty much the the main reason why I chose this team. And so from there, they were talking about, hey guys, how do we how do we start to think about ticketing different? How do we start to think about marketing different? So they were really looking for someone to come in with the analysis and say, hey, look, you have all this information. This is other information you need to bring in. And so that's really where I was when I started was how do we talk about collecting information from FanFest? We don't, we have historically hadn't ticketed FanFest. So FanFest is just a fun free event where everyone can come in and and learn about the team and meet some players. And it's before the season starts. So it's all about kind of like getting people involved in baseball before there's people on the field. So that was really how do we make sure we know who those people are? How do we make sure they're converting to ticket sales? So all those little elements that we started to, to focus on of how do we collect information on our fans? How do we make sure it's somewhere we can pull the information from? And it's not just stored in random Excel sheets wherever. So those are some of the big things that have changed. We now have a really good system of bringing in data and making sure that we know who our fans are and what they're doing. And, and we can pull information in that that gives us an ability to connect to them on a personalized level. And that's something the whole industry is going towards. I mean, um, as fast as the the on ice field court, whatever you want to call it, as fast as that side of the business has has really gone into analytics, the the fan focus side has been a little bit slower to the game and just in general. And so it's really been an exciting time for us to all kind of get up to the level 
where we can have those personalized connections with our fans and and we know what they want and or we try to know what they want and we try to deliver a product that that really gets them engaged in at games and and wanting to be part of our organization. So I think that's been kind of the major analytic shift that I've seen. That's great. And and you talk about the speed of things changing. Not only is the environment changing, the business is changing, the 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 sport is evolving. What has been a key for you to be able to manage that pace of change? And I think it'd be interesting for students that are listening to this, you know, what kind of skills should they be thinking about developing and continuing to develop to be able to evolve as quickly as you have in in your role? Yeah, I think once in a while, it's just the situation you're in, right? So when I started a lot of, I mean, I can give you the list of technical skills that I use daily there for anyone who, who wants to know that. I use SQL, that's where all our data is stored and how I pull it out. Um, R is really where I do all my modeling. And then Tableau is how I get the information across to other stakeholders in the business. So those are kind of my three main um, platforms that I use. But I think the thing I've learned the most over the past two years that I've been here is really that you have to be proactive and flexible. It, it, whether you have the skills um, and whether you're going to learn them, and a lot of the time you do learn them on the job, um, it's just that ability to be proactive. So even, for example, this season, it was early March when we were told, hey, guys, there's not going to be baseball. Hey, guys, you're all working from home. Hey, guys, we don't know what's going on. And that's three weeks before our opening day, right? So we're all in a mindset that's, hey, we are – ready for opening day. We have X number of tickets sold. We're ready to go. These are the people that are hired to be there. This is how many police we need there. So just all this information that we're like really pushing for opening day. And then you're told, Hey, there's no opening day this year. Also, we're going to have to find a way to kind of refund, but we're not sure if we're refunding yet because maybe there is going to be an opening day and maybe it's going to be two weeks down the road or four weeks down the road. So really that shift to being proactive. And, and one of the things that I think I did really well this year is as soon as that, that, information came down, my mind immediately went to, and we were told, hey, we're not going to have any large gatherings. My mind immediately went to, okay, what is this going to look like if we can have 20% capacity? So that was really a big project that I took on was how do we make sure that we can sell groups of tickets or however many fans we can get in the stands? How do we make that look like, A, it's fans in the stands. How are we selling those tickets? How are the groupings? How are we maximizing revenue in that little amount of seats that we're allowed from whatever the mayor brings down or whoever is going to bring down the number that we're allowed. So that real proactiveness within myself was like, hey, I got to get this map out. I've got to make sure that it's something that our our ticket office or whoever's making the decision is very capable to, of using. So making sure that it was interactive with them and they could choose, hey, I want to sell the entire stadium in groups of four um, or I want to sell the entire groups of two, four and six, but I only want groups of six to be bought by people who are coming in groups of six. So really making sure that they could have a visual representation of what the stadium would look like in that scenario. And that all came from being proactive, right? If, I mean, we're still using it to this day. It's what is it going to look like for opening day next year? But there was always this little kind of internal office feel that, okay, what are we going to do if we have fans in two weeks? What are we going to do if we have fans in four weeks? Because we really didn't have a decision on if we were or weren't going to have fans until there were just basically no more days to have fans. So that's kind of one of the things I've really learned is you you have the skill set that you come in with, but you just have to be flexible and proactive and and willing to work with the situation because I can guarantee you when I started this job, there was not a single person thinking, hey, we're not going to have fans. So that's really what I, what I go with every day. 
No, that's great. And there's a thread I want to pull on here. You mentioned Tableau, and it's a great tool for, you know, visualization of data. You also mentioned working with the ticket office and front office. A big part of your job must be not only get accessing the data, uh, using it to help yourself make decisions, but also selling these decisions and selling the use of data. Talk a little bit about what your job looks like in Okay, you got to use the data, but it's also convincing others, communicating to others on business changes, on paths to take. How do you do that effectively? Yeah, I think I'm really fortunate that I work for an organization that wants the analysis brought to the front. They want to know why they're making decisions and what the reasoning behind it is. So that's a really fortunate situation to be in. And I know there are organizations that are not like that. And and so I can't imagine being in a situation where I was trying to force analytics at someone every day. So that's really fortunate, but there are still moments where where you'll bring something forward and you'll really have to defend what you're bringing forward because there has been a way that things have been done for 10, 15, 20 years behind you and, and it's kind of the law of the land. So what do you bring to the table that's different that you wanna convince someone that they should use instead? And I think a lot of that comes from building a strong foundation. So anytime you're having a conversation with anyone in the building, you're instilling their trust in you. So you want to make sure that they feel like the information you're bringing to the table makes sense. You're not just pulling numbers out of thin air from wherever you are. You're really bringing to the table, this is why this information is important. This is the key insight from it. And here, if you want to go through all the steps, I'll bring you through all the steps and we can talk through it one by one, but really making sure that whatever you're bringing to the table, that key point is out in the front. So don't bury your lead. Don't make it so that no one knows why you're just kind of talking and you're talking and you're talking. And all of a sudden, this is why I think we should price this section at this. So really making sure that we should price the section at this. And these are all the reasons why we have this many fans normally in there. These fans have a discretionary income of blank. These fans are coming to X number of games per year. So really making sure that we understand you have all the backing for what you're saying, but you're bringing that front point out to the focus. How big is the team that you work with? Because I can imagine listeners going, this sounds great, but it's only me. <laughs> How many people do you have on your group? Yeah, some days it feels like that. <laughs> no, so we're we're a team of three. So there's my boss, myself, and then another analyst. So we're we're a pretty small team, which is how we end up tackling so much of the organization. And there are definitely days it's overwhelming where you're like, eh, I need to do this for marketing, I need to do this for ticketing, and I have all this stuff going on. But at the same time, it's extremely rewarding, right? So there's so many decisions that are made and you can walk through the ballpark one day and and you can walk through and you can be like, hey, I helped with that project and I helped with that project. And the, all these things are happening in the ballpark. And there are some projects that you don't even think would fall under an analyst. So last year we we revamped, I mean, coming into 2020. So things kind of happened once the season started. But coming into 2020, we were revamping a lot of our ticket products. And so that's a project that I got put on just because of the the math background and the analyst background and everything. And I got to come up with this new product, the Raise Win Pack, which basically brought in an element of betting, legal betting, because <laughs> it's not actual betting, um, to our ticket products. So you buy a Raise Win Pack, it gives you X number of tickets. And if you choose games that the Rays win, you get a free ticket. And as long as you keep choosing games that the Rays win at, you keep getting free tickets. So those really... And for on the, us on the back end, it's all about what's our risk tolerance with it, right? So that's where the analyst part comes in. But being part of the team that starts to develop these products, even though you don't feel like it would be a typical analyst role, is just kind of how when there's so few people working, you kind of end up on lots of different projects. But then on the same time, I'm really fortunate because there are so many people on our ticketing team, so many people on our marketing team that have 
years and years of experience in the industry themselves. So they'll know exactly what kind of ticketing information we have and exactly how different systems work. And then on our marketing side, they'll have tons of experience, knowledge about, hey, this post works well. I know your dad is not saying that, but like, let's talk about why I think this works well. So just those different sides. And although we're a team of only three analysts, the outside of it always plays a factor. So yeah, we're a team of three plus 400. I don't know however many other people are at the race. So I'd like to, we've talked about successes, the things that you've done that have really facilitated growth and and the evolution. I wonder if looking back over the last, as you mentioned, eight months, if there's things you go, I think we could have done this differently, or I wish that I would have looked at this from a different way. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I don't think there's ever a project that you're like, hey, I, I did that perfectly. So I think that's something you just get used to is that when you look back, you're always like, man, I could have done that faster. I could have done that more efficiently. Um, even with, I talked a little bit about our seat mapping where we mapped all of all of the different seats. Even that is something that we ended up going through. I think by the end, we had done like something like 25 different iterations of possible seat combinations. And one of them is definitely going to be useful in the future, but 25 of them probably wasn't useful. So really putting those assumptions, a lot of the assumptions we just kind of played around with and we weren't solid on, well, maybe we'll have groups of four, or maybe we'll have groups of two, or maybe we'll, we will sell this section or we won't sell this section. So I think a lot of things like that, setting your assumptions really strongly at the beginning would have made that process faster. Um, but at the end of the day, it really hasn't changed anything for us. It, it obviously has given us a lot of opportunity to think about our ballpark and where seats can sell and how different people could move in through different doors and anything like that. So I think it, it's given us a good opportunity to think about that. I think we definitely, at least I definitely could have been more efficient in, in coming up with those assumptions and making sure that I had them set from set from the get-go. And then there's also other things like um, for our, our app, I wish that looking back, I had really started with the information that I finished with. So I started with how are we how are we kind of using our app and where are people landing? And and really the conclusion that came from that is where are people getting lost? Let's make sure we reroute them back. So I mean starting at the end is always nice, right? Because you're you're at the end and you have all the information and you're like, man, I could have saved myself 10 hours. But that's not always the case, right? Sometimes it, it really does take getting in with the data and sitting and looking at it and finding a lot of things that don't work before you find the thing that does. So yeah. And so you would you'd be considered a smaller market team, is that correct? Absolutely, yes. How is how has that benefited you with the uh you know ability to be innovative or take some risks? Uh you you've already mentioned your ability to get involved because of the small size of your team. Talk a little bit about that because it must be, bring up some great opportunities. Yeah, I think one thing that's great about our team and being in a smaller market is that we're not scared to innovate. And I think that's evident on our field and it's also evident in our front office is we're not scared to come up with new ideas, to try things out, to occasionally fail at things. Um, so those are really, really great things. We were one of the first teams to go cash free. So really pushing that. We did that way pre-pandemic. So I think I think two or three years ago, depending on when you count your years, is when we we initiated that and, and really pushed for a cash free environment. And now we're seeing all these teams in the midst of a pandemic trying to go cash free and having trouble with how are we going to be cash free and how does it work? And so really being innovative there is, has been helpful for us. And even last year in the postseason, when the, when the, I guess two years ago now in the postseason, when we were holding games at the TROP, it was, we were mobile only. Like I stood out with a sign that said, let me help you with mobile tickets. Like, so all of those things that, that you can, can really do to be innovative has, has helped us 
extremely well in this postseason or even in the season where we already have those connections with our fans. We've made sure that we know that you have the app downloaded because you couldn't come to a game unless you had the app downloaded. So we know that we have that connection point with you. And now it's all about using that connection point. So while other teams were like, oh, wait, we don't have them within our app. How do we get them in our app? How do we make sure they have an app when they're not even at our ballpark? We had already kind of crossed that hurdle because we'd said, hey, you can only come to a game if you have the app. And now we're like, okay, let's make sure we're using that app to connect with them, even though they're not in our stadium. So those are really the, the changes that have been nice for us that we wouldn't have been in such a good position if we hadn't have been innovative at the time. And you mentioned other teams. I know, and I'm just speaking from my background in publishing, we have regular communication with other publishers and share different ideas and do some uh, kind of shared project projects and innovation. Does that happen in, in your industry? Do you work with other teams? Do you share ideas or is it very, you know, do you keep that to yourselves? Talk a little bit about how that works as an industry. For sure. I think that's why I love being on the business side is we at the Rays might be a team of three, but the MLB community is massive and the sport community on the business side is massive. And because at the end of the day, all of us are really focused on how do we have the most fans or how do we make sure that our fans are engaged or really anything fan focused. None of us are competitive in that sense. Like, yeah, we, we'd love for you to be a, a Rays fan over someone else's fan. Like, We'd love for you to be a number one Rays fan and a number two Jays fan. But like, we'll take you as a number one Jays fan, a number two Rays fan, as long as you're a fan of baseball, right? So that's really the goal is to make sure that we have the most number of fans and that our sport continues well into the future. And so that's, it's great in this side of the business because we're always talking to each other. We have monthly, bi-weekly, I feel like every time I turn around, we're talking to someone from either another team or having a league-wide call or a cross-sport call. So we're, we're always engaged with each other. And I think that's why the teams of three never feel like teams of three, because we have such a huge network that we're always communicating with. And that's such a great example for the listener of, you know, a rising tide uh, and looking at your industry as a whole. And yes, there's going to be uh, competition, uh, but there's ways to do that where you can learn from each other. Uh, and it, it must be fascinating for you to again see the evolution of your type of role being relatively new when you look at the history of uh of the sport as a whole but seeing that evolution of the industry and analytics uh, being used you know in different ways uh it must be very fascinating for you i want to take a, a, a quick side side part here and look at uh look at you as you've grown from graduating at ivy and you know we've talked about your role but talk about you know passion projects that you've got are there things that you want the listener to to read to consider uh for students to consider that are at ivy and elsewhere give us some some things that you want us to read or consider for sure i think for me a big thing that that i try to do is just stay involved with what's happening in other sports I think sometimes you can get so single-minded into this is the ballpark I'm working at or this is these are the fans I'm considering and you forget that there's a whole other world of sports fans out there that you don't even consider. So just trying to find any information that's out there. I know I get daily emails from Sports Business Journal. So just that information, any information you can find that that really pushes information to you that you might not consider. So what are Premier League's doing, what is happening with sports betting in England, just anything that really that is could eventually be in our market, right? So anything that's really you're finding out there. Um, I think other things that that I really focus on internally is what's my motivation for coming in every day? Like what drives me? Because 
especially in this work from home environment, there there are days where you just you you feel like you're not connected to the world, even though you're talking to people all the time. So I think for me, it's it's really what's my motivation and what's pushing me, and it's something that drove me at Ivy too, right? Like what's what am I doing this for? What do I want out of this? What am what am I finding? And now that I'm kind of in this industry, and I think my motivation so heavily lies with the fans. So how am I making this the best experience for them? How is anything I'm doing making this a better experience? How are we taking someone who may have had a horrible day and bringing baseball into their life and they're feeling like they had an awesome day? And that's kind of my motivation every day is how am I making them better? And how am I making them feel like there's a positivity at the end of this pandemic tunnel and you're eventually going to come back to sport and it's going to be right where you left it and it's going to be a great time. So I think even that that finding your internal motivation and there are lots of ways to find that. Maybe it's exercise, maybe it's reading, maybe it's, I don't know, watching TV, whatever that motivation comes from you. And it might not be the same motivation that it is for everyone. And I know, especially when I was at school, like lots of people were focused on, I want to be in finance, I want to be in consulting. And, and none of that really drove me the way finding that connection with a fan does now. So really finding that motivation, even if it's not the same motivation as everyone else, I think has really pushed me. Corinne, thank you so much for taking the time. I think that's a great place for us to wrap up the conversation today. I'm really looking forward to seeing how your role continues to evolve and the business of baseball continues to evolve. And we'll be watching uh, with intent over the next few years. And I hope that you continue to stay in touch with Ivy. Thank you for everything that you do. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. Thanks again to Corinne for joining us today. It was fascinating to hear how one of Ivy's newer programs is making waves in areas like sports. It's clear to me that baseball isn't just the stats on the field, but is integral behind the scenes and even into the fan experience. I hope you enjoyed. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. See you next time.